Anyway, welcome to Riverside. Again, my name is Brian Doback. Let's begin this again. Uh, for the past year, we've literally been walking with Jesus through uh, the Gospel of Matthew, other than the sermon series in uh, Philippians. Um, and I don't know about you, man, but I've learned a lot this year uh, just walking through the Gospel of Matthew. Um, just new and interesting things about our Savior Jesus. Uh, it began with... Uh, Chapter 4, verse 23. Chapter 4, verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And right after that, Jesus goes on basically a one-man mission trip. I mean, I don't know if you remember, there was this one morning where Ezra was up here. He had like a harmonica, like strapped to his head. He had his guitar. He had the mic in front of him. I mean, all he needed was drums, like, strapped to his waist. And he was a one-man band. That's basically what Jesus was doing on this, after this scripture verse. He goes down to, he goes up on the sermon, for the Sermon on the Mount, and all, all during this, the disciples are watching and they're wondering, what is this guy up to? So he gives the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches the kingdom living with authority. And then he comes down from the Mount, and he goes on like a, on a healing tour, just healing illnesses and diseases and casting out demons. And, and he's acting with authority. So he teaches with authority in the Sermon on the Mount. And then he's acting with authority. And all the while, the disciples are, are called to just follow him. Just shut up and follow him. Okay? So now we get to chapter 9, verse 35 today. Not 35 through 38. But chapter 9, verse 35 is awfully similar to chapter 4, verse 23. So, Matthew, in his literary genius, plus the Holy Spirit, obviously, he's up to something here. You know, he's kind of flowing through the Gospel of Matthew here, and what we see here is these two scripture verses are like bookends. So, today's scripture, 35 through 38, it's the end of a mission trip. It's the end of Jesus' mission trip. And we're going to find out more things about it, too. But again, they're like hinge verses, bookends, packing all of this action into, into, into one. And, uh, and again, today's passage marks the ends of Jesus' mission trip. So let's pray before we get into this. God, you have a, a word for us this morning, and I just pray that you, you just boldly uh, bring it into our hearts and our minds, Lord. Uh, we thank you so much for this past week. God, uh, uh, we just give thanks for you, for everything that you do for us in our lives and, and within our families and within our church here at Riverside, Lord. We thank you for Riverside family and friends, and we thank you for your presence. And we just pray that you give us a, a good, strong word this morning uh, for us to continue to learn about you and, and to grow closer to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Let's read the scripture, verses 35 through 38. The scripture says this. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, 
but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Folks, you ever felt like, you know, you're watching the news or reading magazines. Have you ever felt like something just isn't right with the world? Something, it's just off. It's kind of hard to put your finger on it. You know, there, there's so much good in the world. Don't get me wrong. But then there's like, there's just all this bad. And there's just something not right about the world. You know, we can't overshadow the bad stuff that happens. Folks, there's a, there's a new game on the streets right now. I'm sure you've all heard of it by now. It's called the knockdown game or the knockout game or something. I mean, the people who play this game, you know, they're walking down the street, you know, minding their own business, and then they go, pow! And they, the goal is to just pick any random person and knock them out unconscious. People have died from this. It's like, seriously? Like, what else? What's next? I mean, there's so much, again, there's, there's so much good in the world. But then something like this, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely absurd. It's sad. Why is this? You know, don't, we can't over-spiritualize this. You know, we can't deny it. The world's broken and deteriorating, and there's a, a tug of war between good and evil. And we feel this way, it's simple, because there is something wrong with the world. What we feel is right, it's true. There is something wrong with the world. And there's something wrong with us, too. And here's the key thing, it wasn't supposed to be like this. It was never supposed to be like this. All that stuff that happens out there, it wasn't supposed to be like that. So when you see those who play the knockdown game, you know, how do you feel about them? How do you feel about murderers, adulterers, drug addicts, alcoholics, abusers, thieves? How do you feel about them when you see them on the news or you read them in the magazines or you read about them in the newspapers? Do you feel disgust for them or do you feel sorrow for them? You know, what about the homeless, the blind, the deaf, the mute, deformed, the debilitated? How do you feel about them? Do you feel like they're lower than you? Or do you feel like they're equal with you? What about someone who's suffering from their sexual immorality? How do you feel about them? Do you feel revulsion? Or do you feel pity for them? What about the seeker? I know this happens to all of us. The seeker asking serious questions. Or the inquirer bogged down with guilt. How do you feel about them? Do you view them as just an inconvenience in your day? Like, dude, just get away from me. Or do you see them as an opportunity? An opportunity. Jesus, what did he feel? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Even the worst ones. Jesus had compassion for them. That word compassion is so strong. It literally means to be moved in the pit of your stomach. You ever feel that way? It's just this, this like wrenching feeling in your stomach. It, mean, it means to be moved in the pit of your stomach and to enter into 
their pain and their sorrow. Man, that's tough. It's really tough when you see the different kinds of people out there. And listen, we're all, you know, and we're, we're not exempt from that list that I just listed off. You know, we may not be murderers or anything, but there's sexual immorality going on. You know, there's other things like that. Jesus felt compassion for them. But know this, it's not really the illnesses and the diseases that he was focusing on, not like the outward stuff. What Jesus was really moved by was the spiritual need of the people. He's moved by the spiritual need of us. Folks, we're harassed and helpless. Back then, they were harassed by misguided spiritual leaders, the Pharisees. We have misguided spiritual leaders today. I hope I'm not one of them. <laughs> but they do exist today. We're harassed by them. Back then, the Pharisees, you know, they had the law of Moses, which is all that really mattered. But then they built like a proverbial fence around the law of Moses with all kinds of rules that they created. And they just harassed the people, pounded on the people. Rules, 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 rules. After a while, it's like, dude, this is old, man. I just want to follow God's law. All this other stuff, I don't know about this. We're harassed by the destructive nature of sin in the world just pounding on us. They were then and we are today too. Jesus even goes as far as to compare us to something. We're like sheep without a shepherd. We're like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep aren't equipped to handle their life without a shepherd. What's he trying to say here? Sheep, if you think about it, they have no offensive or defensive mechanisms. They have poor eyesight, poor hearing. They have poor strength, poor stamina. They have no sense of direction. They have an overactive startle reflex, so they don't blend in. <laughs> I mean, they're dumb, stubborn, and willful. Golly, man. I'm a sheep to you? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty pathetic. Can't I be like a, a lion or like a tiger? Rawr. <laughs> no. God's like, no. Without me, you're a sheep. You're helpless. Folks, but take heart. Jesus is the good shepherd. Without him, we're helpless. But that's okay. With him, with him, we're beaten, but we're unbreakable right? Knocked down, but we get back up. We're slowed down, but we're unstoppable. Without him, we're lost. With him, we're found. That's fine. If I'm a sheep, whatever. But we need Jesus. He can grow us into a tiger or a lion or something like that. We need Jesus. So, my question is, and I hope one of our questions is, is how do we cultivate this compassion that Jesus has? You know, we're told, what would Jesus do? Be like Jesus. Become like Jesus. Great, I get it, but that's kind of hard. You know, what can we do to do this? And it, it, it takes some, some initiative. Have you ever thought about how many people you come across in your life? You ever thought about how many people you come across in a year, 
a month, a week, a day. Thousands, thousands of people. You come across so many people if you really think about it. You really think about the big picture of your life. Thousands of people. As you read the Gospels, what's Jesus really doing? What's he doing? He's around people. He's around people. He's in the midst of them. He's touching lives. He's touching lives. Jesus is crossing paths with thousands of people on his walk, relating with them and getting his hands dirty, right? We don't cultivate compassion by holding up ourselves in our house and watching National Geographic shows of third world countries. No. We cultivate compassion by getting in there in the midst of it. In the midst of it. We can stay home and only send money all we want. And don't get me wrong, there's a place for sending money. There's a place for that. But what we really need is in-your-face compassion. We need in-your-face compassion. Likewise, God, he could never leave home and just rain on us blessings and just make life easy for us, right? But what we really need is in-your-face compassion. And isn't that the beauty of the gospel? Isn't that the beauty of it? God got off his couch. He left his home. He came down to our level. And he got in our face. He got in our face and related with us. He got his hands dirty. He got bloody for us. He sacrificed himself for us. Okay? That God left his home and came down to our level and got in our faces, not to condemn us, but to save us. Not to condemn us, but to save us. So the Pharisees, they saw the people as chafed to be burned. And there might be some people in here right now, you see all those people on the news and in the magazines and newspapers, you just say to yourself, I hope they burn in hell. No. That's the Pharisees. They saw the people as chafed to be burned. Jesus, he saw them as opportunity. And he saw them as wheat to be harvested. He saw them as wheat to be harvested. What's he do? He puts his focus from the people, and then he turns to the disciples. And what's he say? He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Oh boy, something's happening here. Something's about to happen. When Jesus talks, so Jesus changes his sights from the people to the disciples, and the disciples hear that, and they're like, Are you talking to me, Jesus? Peter, is he talking to us? I think they're a little, you know, confused right now, the disciples. And I I think we can be that way too sometimes. Folks, I'm convinced that other than when he said, I will make you fishers of men, the disciples had no idea that it would really ever occur that they would have to do the work too. Does that make sense? All of a sudden... Everything they heard in the Sermon on the Mount and they saw in the healings and they saw in the casting out of demons 
was actually training. Huh. Gosh, hindsight is 2020. Wow. Folks, God was equipping them during that Sermon on the Mount and during the healings and the casting out of demons. He was equipping them. He was training them. So not only is today's scripture the end of Jesus' mission trip, today's scripture is the beginning of a new one. Not only is it the end of a mission trip, it's the beginning of a new one too. One that involves us. It involves us. Jesus is like, you saw me do it. Now you do it. Go. <laughs> that's that's a, a little tough to swallow there. Man, Jesus, I don't know if I can do what you just did. Just go. I equipped you. I will be with you. Just go. Just shut up and go. Before we get any further, though, I want you to imagine like being in a huddle with Jesus. He's like the quarterback, okay? And the disciples, you know, they're getting low. They're getting ready for the play, okay? Jesus, tell us where to go. Fine, we're in. What do we do? Just tell us where to go, and we'll do it. And what's Jesus say? Pray. Pray? Jesus, I'm ready, man. Let's do this. You want us to pray? Yes, pray. Pray. This is God's work. This isn't your work. Folks, even Jesus took direction from the Father. He says, pray. That's the first thing that you do. Guys, God's using us as agents to reach a lost and dying world. We need to ask him what he wants us to do. This isn't guesswork. This is God's work. This isn't guesswork. This is God's work. He doesn't want us to do what's comfortable for us and just hope that it's right. That's not how this works. God has very specific things for us to do. I'm telling you, doing one simple thing that God calls you to do is far greater than doing ten great things that God never called you to do. Doing one simple thing is far greater than ten great things that He never called you to do. Pray. Ask Him what He wants you to do and do it. So where do we go from here? Folks, the, the central message of everything that we do here is the gospel of the kingdom. Verse 35. All, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel of the kingdom? If there was one word to sum it up, the gospel of the kingdom is restoration. Restoration. Not just after we die, but right here too, right now. Folks, all the healings, those were small pictures of the restoration to come later when we die. But here too, right now, whatever you got going on in your life, Jesus can heal you. Jesus can heal you. The casting out of the demons, those are small pictures of God's reign over Satan. And his defeat when Jesus comes again. 
okay? Folks, Jesus, this, this whole this restoration concept, Jesus will just come in like a wrecking ball and he'll, he'll, he'll bring you down low, but he will raise you up into a new creation. Jesus doesn't just want to like renovate certain parts of you. He wants to completely, he pretty much wants to destroy you like a wrecking ball. And he wants to restore you into something perfect. He wants to restore you into something greater, something that he wants you to be, into a new creation. The gospel of the kingdom is something that must be shared and shared with urgency. Must be shared. We need to be going forward out to people, reaching out, not holding ourselves up in our church. We need to be going out into the community and reaching out to people. Folks, you are a microphone. Think about that. God didn't give you a mouth to slander to gossip, to hate. He didn't give you a mouth to tear people down. He gave you a mouth to build people up. He gave you a mouth to love people, to speak the truth, to, to raise people up in Jesus' name. Folks, he's given you a platform in whatever station of life you're in whatever station of life you're in, wisely use it. Don't abuse it. Wisely use it. Don't abuse it. Not every Christian is called to be a pastor. And that's okay. But every Christian is called to be a minister. Every single Christian out there is called to be a minister. We need more Christians in office buildings. We need more ministers waiting tables, we need more ministers in the hospitals. We need more people like us going out there into the community and living this gospel message and speaking it if necessary. We need more of us to go out into the midst of the community and share this message of restoration that can only come through Christ. The ultimate purpose of your being is to share the gospel by living it and speaking it if necessary. Folks, but we can't have this compassion. We can't have it if we don't recognize our own need for it. If we don't recognize our own need for compassion and our nose is up all the time, I don't need that. It's all good. You're not going to have compassion for these people over here that Jesus has compassion for. Folks, we have not been called to die on a cross for the sins of the world. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> We've not been called to do that, but we have been called to follow in the footsteps of the one who did. We've been called to follow in the footsteps of the one who did. We go on mission trips because we have compassion. We plant churches here at Riverside because we have compassion. We go into the belly of the beast in northeast Philly and Kensington because we have compassion. 
that's where we cultivate compassion, is getting in the midst of it, not staying home on our couches and doing nothing. Folks, we go into our community and touch lives because we have compassion. We comfort and pray for our families and our friends and our church because we have compassion. Folks, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Huge difference. He doesn't call people already equipped to do his work. He calls people like you and me. We know nothing. And then he equips us. And then he sends us out. Folks, now God, he's blessed Riverside with a new tool. He's blessed us with this building. The past 13 years here in this theater, God has been equipping Riverside for this. He's about to send us out on a larger scale in this building. In two weeks, we're out of here. So long, theater. It's been great. But there's no looking back. There's no looking back. We're in this new tool to do things on a larger scale. We're not losing anything by leaving this theater. Going to this building is a victory. It's a victory. Know that. Believe that. It's a tool to worship God, to relate with people, to care for people, and to love people on that larger scale that we're talking about. The building is not something to hole ourselves up in. Great, we have a building. Yes. Let's just do all these awesome things in the building. Right? And then just ignore the community ignore Philadelphia and not reach out to people and pulling them in. We want to reach in to ourselves and we want to reach up to God. We need to be reaching out into the community and sharing the gospel of the kingdom. Let's pray. God, we, we have just been walking through this awesome year, literally following in the footsteps of Jesus. We've been in the midst of Scripture. God, you've taught us many things, and now you want us to, to go. God, we've followed you. We've learned from you. We've seen what you do. Now you want us to do it. God, you've blessed us with a, a new tool in the building on Columbia Avenue, Lord, and things are going to change. But our, our, the center of what we do will remain the same. It's the gospel of the kingdom. It's restoration. It's sharing that with people, Lord. And we just thank you for, for blessing us with everything that you've done through us here at Riverside in this theater. Theater 12 will go down the books, Lord. And we appreciate all that, but there's no looking back. God, it's looking forward to what you have for us in the future. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.